I don't know if I've shared with you that uh, in 1983, um, as a result of a conference uh, that we attended uh, by the man who became our mentor in prayer, Dick Simmons, um, my wife and I were called into uh, a prayer calling of praying towards the next great awakening. And that was 40 years ago. That was 1983. And uh, then in uh, February of this year, after 40 years and one week, actually it was on February 8th, so it was eight days after we began our prayer walk, uh, God sent uh, the beginning of that great awakening. So what I call today a revival tide has started in the world and in our country with the Asbury Revival, uh, February 8th of this year. And so 40 years uh, exactly um, of, of prayer each day, not every day praying uh, for the revival, but we got started doing the early morning prayer, two hours each day, with a major, a major focus being praying in the next great awakening. And during that whole 40 years, receiving prophecy that uh, he was going to allow us to see the answer to our many prayers, um, and sure enough, now this year, we are seeing the answer, the beginning of the answer. The answer is going to last many years. Re a, a, a revival tide is not a quick thing, but we are going to see a great awakening, and it, it has begun. And the interesting thing is that we've gotten to know many other people who were called with the same kind of calling uh, at the same time. So it's like 40 years God wanted prayer going for this. Uh, Mike Bickle, for example, 1983 was when he got his calling of 24-7 uh, prayer and um, started the Kansas City International House of Prayer. 1983 was when that started. So here's another person. We've, we've met others. It seems like God was ordaining prayer at that time with certain individuals who were called to begin praying so that there could be 40 years of prayer for a great awakening. And now we're seeing that beginning. I hope this encourages you to see that God is in charge of history. He wants to do uh, outpourings of the Holy Spirit, but he requires his royal priesthood to pray towards that end. He doesn't just wave his hands and do stuff, but he cooperates with us and needs us to do our part if it's going to happen. So, uh, that's really an interesting thing, and um, I mentioned Mike Bickle. Mike Bickle got a particular calling with that. In other words, not everybody's calling is exactly alike, but God conveys what he is particularly interested in this year. And so Mike got a challenge to what he calls uh, the Israel Mandate, 
um, a great part of his calling towards the next great awakening was to pray towards Israel. I don't think anybody has had that calling before. Uh, Mike got that calling because that's something God wanted to see raised up at this particular time in history, and that has happened. So we've had uh, the whole uh, Messianic Jewish phenomenon and uh, then, of course, Israel coming into uh, existence after many years. Um, all, all of that has required Gentile people to pray that in. Well, Carla and I got a calling like that, but a different one. And that was what, what I would call the First Nations mandate that we've been under for all these years, most of the years that we've been praying toward a great awakening, we've had this particular mandate, which began in 1991. So I'd like to tell you how that happened. Um, in 1991, I was getting prayer um, in a completely different area for my health when one of the intercessors said, God, I feel like God is speaking to me and he wants you to confess the sins of your ancestors toward native people. Well, this was out of the blue. We weren't praying for stuff like this. And I wondered, what on earth? But I st started to open my mouth to pray what might have been um, the sins of my ancestors, meaning white people, I guess. Um, because I haven't found anything in my my direct ancestral line that would indicate this, but I think it was about just white people and the sins against native people, the first nations that were already on this continent before our people came in and basically took over. And so uh, as I opened my mouth to... Uh, begin praying what I thought would be the kind of things that God would consider sin. I was overwhelmed by a flood of grief. It looks like I was drowning in this enormous wave of grief that I knew was not just my own emotion. I knew suddenly I was in the presence of God because I was willing to obey that word opened my mouth, and before even the first sentence came out, here comes this enormous grief, the grief of God. You know, I'd never even thought about how sin causes God grief. In the Bible, it's called grieving the Holy Spirit. But I'd never thought about God having feelings. But, uh, and and I, I realized we have the power to hurt God. We have the power to hurt God. And God opens himself to be hurt by our sin. So now I'm suddenly getting a wave of the hurts and the griefs of God because of the sins of the white race and the sins of the church. Because church people have participated in what I call power and might Christianity, and that has been ways of forcing Christianity on Native people so that Native people have rejected Christianity. It's not been a, a good experience. They have, we have not chosen to love Native people 
the way God called us to, instead to harm them over and over and over again. So I was confessing the sins of my race against the First Nations, and that was how God gave me uh, an intercessory heart for Native people. He really downloaded an intercessor's calling specifically towards the tribes of this continent. Well, uh, some time later, uh, we got to know uh, a Native guy named Richard Twiss. I believe God specifically introduced us to him. He came for a YWAM meeting in Richmond and then preached at our church, and I got to know him. Richard had a new message for Native people. He said, you can be fully Native and fully Christian at the same time. So this was a new thought for people. Um, we call it today contextualizing the gospel. In other words, we don't require people when we're taking the gospel from one culture into another culture, we don't require people to adopt our culture in order to become Christians. Instead, we try to allow them to keep their culture as they are becoming Christians, and their culture becomes an expression of Christ as they are embracing Jesus. So this was a new message in about 1995-1996 when we first got to know Richard. And then he started uh, to have uh, many nations one voice conferences, which were mainly for Native people. And it was at those conferences that he preached that gospel. You can be fully Native and fully Christian. And so there was a lot of Native dancing, a lot of Native drumming, uh, a lot of native flute playing and a lot of native lingo <laughs> that was at that conference and uh, uh, just continued in many, many other of these conferences that Richard led. And uh, so we went to that first one at Kansas City in 1996 or 7, I forget the exact date. And uh, Linda Prince from Canada brought her 120 drums and so there Carla and I were pounding a drum in a circle of, I don't know, 120, 150 native people from all over the continent. And we were the only white people there. But they gave us a drum and I've been playing a drum ever since, you know, just pounding this drum. In fact, Carla and I, every uh, morning uh, here at home um, in Charles City, we, we do the drum and the shofar every morning, announcing the coming of the kingdom of God um, to our county. So my life has been changed by mingling with native Christian people. And, um, and at that conference, uh, an, a lady named Mary Glazier from Canada got up to preach. She's Haida, a Haida woman. And she, she opened her mouth to preach. We were sitting in the front row. And just as she opened her mouth to preach, that grief hit both Carla and me again. And we were just weeping at the Oh, my goodness. It was just an a experience of intense pain that we had to endure during the entire time that Mary Glazier was preaching. And then she 
she closed her Bible and took her notes down and the, the, the grief stopped. But that was how God gave my wife the same calling of prayer that I already had received. So Carla and I have exercised that uh, intense uh, intercessory prayer for Native people ever since um, all these years. It's been part of our calling. So this is what uh, I'm just saying. Um, God has a calling for us to pray in revival, but then in particular, I believe he has a very definite place, a role for Native people in this next revival. And we've been seeing that unfold. I'd like to share that with you next time. Uh, how we see our prayers being answered. So um, we're excited about uh, what God is doing that is brand new, and uh, we invite you to pray for that as well.